Welcome to the lounge. Today I have a very special treat. Liz Chapatakoon is back. She is, uh, of course, from Angry Hamster Publishing, and she's talking about her new game, Afterlife Wandering Souls. We had her on talking about Familiars of Terra last year. She's back. She wanted to come back and talk to you guys, and I was excited about that. Sorry for the delay on this episode. Um, there were technical issues, and I'm going to leave it at that. But here is Liz. I'll see you on the flip side. Like, the first season was just really, really cool and really fun. And um, I learned a lot. And um, I also want to just kind of open this up with, I think I owe a lot of that to you, my first guest of season one. So. Oh, my gosh. I feel so honored. Yeah. I mean, you know. I like I don't know if you should or shouldn't be, but I'm glad you are. Like that's like like that that I'm that makes me really excited. And I'm so excited that you're also although I have um I had um uh Bo Sheldon on twice for two different projects. One of those was like an emergency episode that I released for him because mm-hmm. he wanted to get the word out. Um so I'm going to say technically you're also my first guest to return. So, oh, yeah. I'm going to keep doing these first things. <laughs> Unless we like the first one to return third. I don't know. I don't know what else, like what are big things that I can announce over this show to continue being the first, but we'll know, figure them out. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, my first like huge celebrity game designer eventually. Right. That would be amazing. I let's go for that one. I like that. Like the first, just you know, widely known yeah. Beyonce of the role play industry, but just Beyonce after Beyonce too, because role play games have gotten to that point in traditional media. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm down. All right, good. I like that. Um, yes, be but what's the Beyonce? I am Beyonce. Um, that's not mine. I stole that from another podcast. Um, how have you been? I've been good. I've been very busy. Yeah. Um, so after, like, I came on, um, and after that, I actually just, like, took some time, or I have been for the past two years or so, actually, like, even before I came on, um, to kind of work in the industry a little bit and really hone my game design Um just because, you know, I, I just felt like I wanted some experience, you know, um, and that's been super rewarding. Um, but this year, I've promised myself to kind of refocus back on my company. So that's what I've been doing. And it's been very rewarding. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, uh, oh, yeah. And like, your company has the greatest name ever. Um, Angry Hamster Publishing. <laughs> Angry Hamster Publishing. Um that now, so what? What have you done? What? What? Uh, what projects have you worked on? 
Um, so I did a lot for 7C. Okay. Um, I've been working with Modiphius on their Star Trek adventures. Mm -hmm. I'm doing a couple of projects with Onyx Path Publishing. Um, they have an upcoming upcoming game called Legend Lore, which is very exciting. Um, I can't tell more than that, but I can say there's an upcoming game that you should be excited for. Um, I've also been working a lot with Gallant Knight games and doing all their teeny D6 lines um, and a few upcoming projects with them. Oh, and I, I think between the time that we spoke and now, I also wrote the Book of Lore for Bluebeard's Bride by Magpie Game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and then a, a couple of other small side projects, but those have been like the notable ongoing things that I've been doing. So yeah, it's it's been a lot of learning and seeing kind of how other companies operate and how other people approach game design, which has been cool. That's fantastic. That's, I it's, it's so like, one of the things I get from just being part of the misdirected Mark universe is kind of that experience by proxy. And it's one of those things where, you know, um, I mean, you coming on to, to this, you've, I'm, I'm sure you've probably noticed that I've done a lot to kind of make sure that this, this project is a little bit easier for me to handle. And, you know, cause you, 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 you booked through the, um, the website and everything like that. And, um, and I'm, I'm actively trying to kind of shore things up so I can create those time spaces where I can, uh, I can hopefully get some, some writing out there. Um, because it's after talking to game designers, it turns out that <laughs> I kind of wanted to design some games. Um, you should, I mean, the more games, the better, right? Right. Um, and it's, it's such an open field right now. Um, you know, there's so many people that are looking for, for, uh, talented and capable people. And, you know, um, I think that, uh, I, I personally, like I get really excited to see your name on a project. Like I know I've seen your name attached to the star, star Trek adventures stuff. And, you know, I'll sit there with my, my gaming group that's been been together for 20 years. I'm like, I know her. That's Liz. And, uh, <laughs> I get the same thing with other designers. I know, like yeah. when my friends are talking about a game, I'm like, you know, I know that person. They've yeah. retweeted something that I've tweeted before, but like, obviously you and I know each other a bit better because we've had conversations, but like, I have the same thing. I get so excited. It's just, it's really inspirational. I think when you, when you know someone and it's a cool game and you're like, Oh, yeah. what a cool project. Um, yeah. yeah. There's, what, what's it been like working on, on an IP like Star Trek? It's been interesting. So like Modifius is a very large company. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been cool to see kind of the process of how approvals work. Um, because there's that extra step, right? Like not only does the dev need to approve what you're doing, but so does CBS because they're the IP holder. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been a bit of a nail biter also, because like the first time I handed in a draft and I remember it's, um, actually the first one that got approved was the second one I wrote. Um, it was about the queue for Star Trek. Cause like, mm -hmm. I love the queue and apparently everyone is just bonkers and they didn't want to write about the queue and I desperately did. 
Um, <laughs> like I could write so much about the queue. I, I love them. Um, so that went for approvals and I remember getting it back and I didn't even want to open the draft because, you know, it's like when it's from your dev or from a role play company, there's still like a certain amount of like smallness to it. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense, even for a company like Modifius, you're like, oh, okay. Like it's a team of what, like 10, 15 people or whatever. Um, but then like when CBS has given their kind of opinions on your piece, that's a, that's a whole nother level of pressure. Um, so it's been interesting to see that process. And actually like so far, like Star Trek edits have gone very easy, um, which I'm very happy about. Like they, I don't think they even had any like comments about the queue. It was just like, that's good. I'm like, yes, nice. <laughs> it's It's interesting because I, I think back to like, um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of reading about, um, uh, the, the, the old Star Wars role-playing game, which kind of is known for having carried the torch of Star Wars when no one was doing that and actually established a lot of canon for the expanded universe stuff. And then eventually the movies. Um, and I think like. I I have to wonder if if Lucasfilm had that same hand. I I I don't think they did at the time. I think they were just kind of like, oh yeah, you're gonna make us a little bit of money with this this IP. Like, cool. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think you must get to a size right where like as long as they're as someone's not doing something really heinous with your fandom, right. you're probably just kind of happy that you're making money off of it and that people are continuing it you know like i i would assume so like that's kind of how i would deal with it if i had this amazingly successful ip i mean as long as they're not doing something that kind of goes against what you've set up and yeah more yeah. power to them you know yeah I, I i guess that would make sense i guess as long as you're not saying you know the entire next generation timeline is from the imagination of a queue you know, they're, they're probably okay. <laughs> I desperately, one of the things that got written out, which I was like super, I wasn't upset about, like I understood my dev, but like as someone who's like from a small indie company and can basically do whatever they want in their books, I was super offended, was that um, in the Star Trek books, you have like these small kind of like logs from people. And that's the only real time that you can kind of go in character because it's like a very formal role play system, like, you know, D&D-esque. Um, but I was like, if technically this book is somewhere in the Star Trek universe, like this information is somewhere in the computer, obviously Q would go in and edit their entry <laughs> to make it like the best thing ever especially you know Picard's queue like come yeah. on yeah. there's no way that like those entries aren't edited by the queue um so I was like I really tried to fight for the fact that like I needed to do this entire log for the queue in first person and just talk about myself basically <laughs> um my dev was having none of it he was like you can be creative in the side logs yeah. <laughs> like, okay i'll take those 500 words and cherish them <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i would love to read those so much um i, I mean i just i don't see how that's possible you know like yeah. there's no way his ego would let that happen <laughs> um yeah i mean that's uh 
it, it, well, let, let's, let's talk about, you know, like characterizing something like, like the Q, like, um, I, those are, these are like whimsical characters, right. That are pretty all powerful. I, I don't, I don't recall a lot of times when Q were prone to melancholy. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's exactly, that's exactly how one might characterize them. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can do anything right and your ego's that big and you're yeah. that, like, you find the the universe that mundane because you've seen planets being born and civilizations toppled, right. surely you would reverse around to being petty to yeah. edit your own Star Trek logs and be like, no. <laughs> no, like 100%. That's fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, how about, uh, tell me about your experience with uh, with uh seventh C because I've, I've only heard, um, good things about people that have, have worked on those projects. Yeah. So that like was awesome. I loved working for John Wick percent. So I got in, um, on their heroes and villains book mm -hmm. and their heroes and villains deck. Um, and I was the lead developer for both of those. So the, um, Heroes and Villains book had 54 heroes and villains. And it was the first time I actually dev'd a book outside of um, my own company. So that was really exciting that John and Mark gave me that opportunity. Um, John um, is the owner of uh, John Mike Presents. And uh, Mark was uh, the managing uh, director, I think, at the time. Um, that was an amazing experience. And then I just continued working with them. Um, they liked what I did so I could continue developing books for them. So then I did the Crescent Empire book, mm -hmm. um, which I was really passionate about um, because basically it's all the Middle Eastern analogies um, in the Seven Sea world. Oh, yeah. And I am a big fan of Turkey. Like I've been there like multiple times. <laughs> Love the people, have friends from there. Um, so I just kind of wanted to see it done right um, and include all this amazing lore that I knew and I loved and the culture. And I did that and I was very happy with the result. Um, picked my own team. Um, and then I was asked to co-dev the Colonies book, which um, is not out yet because John Wick Presents is under uh, management change at the moment. I believe they're selling their company, oh. but we're almost done. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully the book gets put out because we put a lot of work into it. So I'm very excited about that too. That Well, I mean, that sounds like, uh, uh, like, an, like just awesome degree of, you know, high end experience that, uh, that you've you were able to get <laughs> because you were talented which you know that's that's always great when somebody's like hey you're you're good at this <clears throat> you should do more of it um yeah to get that opportunity was amazing yeah um i do also love that that you worked on the crescent empire book because i can remember years ago um, playing like first edition seventh C and, um, this is, uh, the, I, I'm not trying to slam seventh C at all, but I really wasn't super interested in the settings in the, like the fault setting. 
I wanted to know what was going on everywhere else. And uh, Crescent Empire was one of those, like, oh, what's going on here? So um, that makes me excited uh, to, uh, to take a look at that. Um, and now, obviously, um, so, oh, so how has everything gone with the project that you talked about? Last time on our show, which is um, the oh no, I suck. I Familiars. forgot. Familiars. Familiars with Sarah. Oh. oh, that. Oh my goodness, that was a learning curve. So everything was amazing. We um, we funded. Thank you so much, backers. I love you. <laughs> um, got the books printed. The books were misprinted, which was fine. Like that was a very small thing because I work with a great printer here. They got it reprinted. They apologized. No problem. I go to send out all the books and Postanel, which is the National Post Service here, loses all the books. <laughs> and it turns out that the way my business contract with them was set up and the way that all business contracts, basically anyone who sends through Postanel, um, they have no insurance unless they buy special specific insurance. But the reason I didn't do that was that it meant that my backers shipping was going to go up like 10 euros. Like, you know, it's, it's that special like insurance that you can buy for packages. Like sure. I'm sure you guys have that in the States too. Yeah. Um, so they lost all the books and they didn't reimburse me. Oh, so Luckily, I still had half of the books left because I was planning on selling them, obviously, mm -hmm. to make profit, <laughs> to make the monies, all the monies. Um, but unfortunately, it meant that I needed to send those books that I had to my backers so that they could all have what they've paid for, and rightfully so. Right. Um, so I have one box of Familiar Cetera books left, which I plan to send to Indie Press Revolution and just have them sell and kind of cut my losses on Familiars of Terra. I think I'm going to put it as a print on demand on DriveThruRPG. That's my plan. Mm -hmm. um, but so now, you know, like what's amazing about Kickstarter is that you you get this money to be able to fund a full print run so that you have extra books to sell. And that is just not the reality of this project, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I mean... That's um, like like those are the when those things happen, it's it's just heartbreaking. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's a gorgeous PDF. Um, I I got the PDF, and uh, I I remember, I don't remember. I'm gonna full disclosure. I don't remember reading it. Um, I remember looking through it, and just being impressed with how pretty it is. Um, and, um, and I knew from the quick start that I wanted to play it at some point, but, um, unfortunately people I usually play with are lame. So um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, it's funny. I bash them a lot on this podcast, but they don't listen to it. So, um, no, that's all right. Oh, I bash my players all the time. I feel like that's the tax that they pay for me running games for them nonstop. <laughs> I'm like, if you didn't want me to say things, you should run a game for me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's true. It's uh, but um, but it it's it is a gorgeous book. It's not available on drive through right now though. 
It is available as on as PDF. As PDF, okay. Um, and we're selling hard copies through our store, obviously, like until they sell out, like, and then, uh, and then once that's done, I'll uh, I'll upload it to Drive Through RPG so people can get it if they really want on as print on demand. Yeah, um, yeah. So everybody should should buy those and buy 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 them for your friends. I think I guess I don't. Know. I don't know if you want to sell out of, of your, your physical copies. Um, it's bittersweet. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like now I kind of feel like it will feel cathartic when they're just all sold. You know what yeah. I mean? Then I'll feel like, okay, well that's done. I've closed that chapter. <laughs> right. Well, it, that makes, that makes so much sense too. Cause that's just like, and that's such a, such a, a dumb, that's, oh, that's, that's bullshit. I'm just going to say it. That's bullshit. That sucks. <laughs> I, I talked to someone else who's in the industry and they're like, I have literally never never heard of that happening. Like they couldn't believe it. And I'm like, I also cannot believe it. Like I also, I don't know, just the thing is, is like what I will say is that last year there were like a record number of news articles about how shitty PostNL is because they're like mm -hmm. the absolute worst. Our National Post Service is the absolute worst. And I no longer send, uh, like send anything through them Mm -hmm. for my company i only send through dhl which is amazing i love yeah. you dhl hey dhl has been around for a long time for a reason so um they know what they're doing they know what they're doing um and of, of course you've got uh afterlife that uh, yes yeah so this is your so your second tell me about afterlife all right, so basically, um, Afterlife Wandering Souls will be the officially the third game we are we have released for Angry Hamster Publishing, mm -hmm. um, or or the fourth, but we can debate that later. Um, and the pitch of Afterlife is basically that you die, but you don't end up where you're meant to go. You don't go to heaven. You don't go to hell. You're not reincarnated. You don't go into like a vast nothingness and cease to exist. Instead, you end up in a scorching desert called the Tenebris with no memories. And your job as a player is actually to wander through this desert and enter in these uh, kind of demi-planes called limbos, trying to find hints of your memories and figure out who you are, why you're here, and come to terms with that so you can finally move on. Wow. That's, uh, that's like pretty high concept. I I like that a lot. Um, where did the idea kind of? I mean, it, it feels weird asking where did the idea for a game about dying come from, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I've always um, so I think like I've always kind of been obsessed with the more morbid and macabre things. Like I can find a lot of beauty in them, and they're peaceful to me in a way. I don't know why. I'm strange, <laughs> um, but the kind of concept of afterlife actually came from the fact that I am overly involved. We talked about me being a GM all the time. Like I am overly involved in my players' lives mm -hmm. um, to the point where I will just be like, oh, you just want to have an argue, like your character just wants to have an argument with their boyfriend for this entire session. Like I'm down, let's do this. <laughs> we will drag out this conversation. We will have that circle conversation that every couple hates, you know, like I'll get into it. 
Um, <laughs> and I love those moments. Like I'm so into this, those dramatic, intimate moments um, in my players' lives. And I wanted a game that mechanically supported that. Because okay. I think a lot of times, um, some games are kind of like when you run the game, you can be the uncaring universe. Mm -hmm. And if you're a GM who doesn't really know how to get into your players' lives and make those kind of meaningful moments, it can be very difficult. So mechanically, I wanted to create a game um, that supported that and kind of was all about that. And then obviously, like in a macabre death-like setting, because I think that's cool. <laughs> I mean, that's... You know, you think that because that's cool, like that, like I feel like that's uh, that's pretty. I'm I'm also pretty macabre myself, so so you know it might be, it might be just uh, uh, similar minds looking at something going, yeah, this is cool. <coughs> Sorry, that's um, all right. But um, it, I mean, it feels like. Um, just something that, like, this almost feels like the game, like, after you, you have accidentally, um, had a, a total, total party kill in your D&D &D game, you're like, well, we're going to play Afterlife now. And, you know, like, is that, is that kind of part of the idea of it? Well, I, it's interesting because it wasn't my concept. And then I have a friend who, like, it's so sweet. He actually, when Witch, that was our first game, came out, he had started Witch just as a playtesting for me, like, with his home group. Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, but then, like, they ended up, it ended up being this massive campaign that they've played for, like, years now. Um, and now he just told me, he's like, yeah, I've decided that everyone's going to die, which like his players are cool with. They wanted kind of like this end thing. And he's like, and then we're going to play Afterlife. He's like, that's, that's such a good idea that you created this game. And I'm like, yes, that was intentional, you know? <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, I think it's a great idea because you, you have the chance also within afterlife, right, to say, like, are those memories of the campaign that you played before this correct? Mm -hmm. Like, did things actually go how you thought they went? Um, so, yeah, like, that's an awesome but incidental feature of the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's like, I, it, it's such a such a cool concept is. Um, is it a, an, an, an all-new system? Yes. So one of the things about, I think, me freelancing so much is that I've grown a lot as a designer. Mm -hmm. And though I love Witch desperately, um, it's it'll always be my first game. Um, I've learned a lot about game design. So I have created a new system for Afterlife. Um, but saying that this is the system that will go forward in the games that I'm going to produce. Oh. So after Afterlife, we have a couple of games coming up um, and those will all be with a similar dice system. Okay. Um, and what, just, just, uh, what, what is the system? Um, so basically you roll a pool of D6s based on a core attribute, uh, sorry, a core that you have, um, which is your body, your mind, and your soul. And each one of those have a rating. And then you have attributes that are linked to each. Um, and then you roll your number you have in the attribute, for example, like strength is part of body. So you would roll your strength plus your body and amount of D6s mm -hmm. um, and then get a certain amount of successes. But connected to your body, mind, and soul, 
um, the rest of the game mechanic, like the, the rest of the mechanics of the games, like the, that's where they stem from. So attached to that, you also have pools that are connected to your um, your body, mind, and soul, which you can actually spend to give yourself automatic successes or assist your players. And these are pools that you can empty. And then linked again to that is that you have another thing called your vitality, which is your health, your will, um, and something we call your hunger, which is kind of like your means. So uh, you know, how well provided are you with uh, food? How much money do you have to spend? Mm -hmm. And these pools can actually empty based on your actions. So like obviously health when you get hit, um, or you could even spend a point of hunger and say like, hey, I'm gonna give a significant amount of money to this person to bribe them. Um, so everything within the system is actually linked to your core. Um, so when you play the game, it's rather intuitive. You just kind of look like, okay, what's that linked to? That's what I'm gonna roll. And that that does seem like a, a, a highly um, uh, adaptable system. You know, like I feel like you can you can do a lot with that. So um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then like obviously like we've tailored it to um, we've tailored it to afterlife mm -hmm. because one of the things about it is is that if you don't get enough successes um, when you make a check things get worse for your character sure. so things could get worse by removing points in your vitality pools like you could take damage to your health or to your will but the gm can also just decide like oh i'm gonna throw in a bunch of baddies here because you know plot twist things have gotten worse <laughs> um but in afterlife you can actually choose to subvert that and the way that you do that as a player is to plunge yourself into a negative memory. Oh. Um, so basically you say, actually, instead of making this check or attempting to do this thing, like my player actually kind of goes, my character goes catatonic um, and I'm plunged into a bad memory, which the GM gets to narrate during the scene. Um, and you can kind of negate that. So as your player, as a player, you kind of have to juggle like how much personal trauma am I putting myself through versus the good of the group. Huh. That's uh that's I, I like that idea. I like that that's that's one of those those um it it's it's a it's a it's a player bargain too. Like um you know the 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 player themselves will feel I I imagine the player would feel uh like oh you know should I do this? Almost, it's not metagaming, but it's like, boy, there, there, there's probably a term for this that I can't think of right now. Um, but it's, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, if I was playing this character and I had to make that choice of, of, you know, do I put myself through this trauma? Like that's kind of an interesting. Um, it feels like a next level. Like it, it feels, I feel like that takes, that goes to the next level beyond just, you know, I'm going to go hit things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think it becomes interesting too, because in afterlife, when you go through one of these negative memories, you get a point of stagnation, mm -hmm. which basically means your character questions like their search for their memories. They think like, you know, why am I doing this? Who am I? Do I really want to know who am I, who, who I am, sorry. And then if they get too much stagnation, their character actually becomes unplayable. So they become a member of the unrequited, 
which are basically these wanderers, those are the player characters, who have given up on the search for their memories and for a different life and just believe that the Tenebris is all there is and they kind of become corrupted from that. Hmm, that's cool. So it's a, it's like, you know, it, it's always this tension between like, you know, how far do you want to go to kind of save the party versus like how much, how far can I go? You know what I mean? While caring for myself still and making sure that I reach where I want to go. It, it's almost like apathy is the enemy. Like, yeah. like, yeah. It, it, like, well, it's like trauma versus apathy. Like, you know, these are the two things that you're, you're, I, I don't know that I love, I love that idea. I mean, <laughs> frankly, I think in the real world, apathy is the enemy. So, you know, gamifying that make sounds good to me <laughs> yeah i mean like i think it's also like in, in many cases it's not going to be an easy choice you know what i mean and like y you get those choices in role play games sometimes where you're like oh this would be really good for me and this would be really crappy for the group yeah what do i do you know what i mean and it, it's because it's on a very personal level in afterlife um and because it's not like, you know, do I do I steal the diamond or do I share the diamond with my party members type things? It's like literally, do I want to suffer a traumatic memory or not? Um, hopefully it goes deeper for players and they really get that sense of living in their players, uh, their character's shoes. I I mean, I, I, it feels it feels like that's, you know, that's what it's going to do. I, I uh, full disclosure, I did go purchase the um, quick start. Um, oh, thank you. It's also free if anyone wants to download it. They don't have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I have this whole thing where I I, I will pay the uh, the suggested just because, um, you know, people deserve money to to do the the work. Um, and you know, that's the thing. I yeah. I'll say that to anybody. Hey, everybody, people deserve money to do the work, but. I find that so hard with quick starts though, because like you're you're trying to promote, you know what I mean? Like you're essentially making a quick start to sell. So it's very hard to like I, I almost didn't ask money for this actually. And then a friend's like she said the same thing as you did. She's just like, you know what? Like you deserve money. And I'm like, Yeah, but do I if I'm shamelessly marketing to people? Maybe they just get that for free. So like I, I just decided to make it optional because that seemed like a good middle ground for myself, you know. Well, that's the great thing about pay what you want anyways, right? You can say, hey, this seems, you know, pretty cool. Um, or, hey, this, you know, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be worth it or not. And, you know, I've done it before where I've had like a pay what you want. I'm like, I got way more than I deserve for that zero dollars that I paid. So I've gone back and like purchased again and like, you know. Oh, that's smart. Throw, throw a few bucks that way um i have two i have two accounts so that's one of the reasons you can kind of do that um i think you can purchase again on your your own account but um <clears throat> it's it's one of those things where like you know i don't know i i think i i think sometimes game designers feel like oh, you know i'm i'm tricking people not tricking people um, that's the word that I put in my head when I get people to play my playtest stuff. Um, 
but you know, I'm getting people to kind of do some of my work for me, but also like from the other side of that, as somebody that has had a chance to play test a bunch of stuff, you know, like I'm like the fact that my name is in the list of playtesters for invisible sons is awesome to me. Um, I'm not, I mean, like I play an invisible sons game right now and I'm really enjoying mm -hmm. it. Um, I don't anticipate ever really buying it. Um, or at least not until, it comes down a lot in, in price, um, but I'm I'm glad that I've gotten to a chance to you know I'm glad I got a chance to test out the rules and I'm glad and like I didn't have to pay anything for that but I would have paid something for it um, if if I, it, like I had known what that opportunity would feel like after the fact you know what I mean um, yeah yeah no I see that like. And I understand also what you mean about Invisible Sun. I'm I'm running Invisible Sun right now, and my my player bought the bought the game actually, and I'm running it for for a group, and it's it's pricey. It's you know yeah, it's it's like that's that's a pretty big expense overall. Um, but it's but it's funny because I'm not I I, I oh, so just to to kind of get off on on a sideline a little bit of Invisible Sun. One of the things I noticed about it is um, I, I, I'm i not somebody that, that talks about their player characters all the time. Um, mm -hmm. Or, you know, I, like I've gotten away from that from my younger days of gaming because I've been gaming well, since forever. Um, and, you know, there's a chance to there, – there's this, this thing with gamers that are like, you know, and Adam was a fourth level fighter, that kind of thing, you know, like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I love talking about my visible sun character so much. <laughs> 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 I love it. And <clears throat> and you know, and it's it's the kind of thing where it's like I don't I don't want to be that guy, but then like I can get talking about that character and as I'm talking, I'm like inventing more like like the the so much of that character has come out of me just having conversations with people and talking about who that character is and um and i think that that's uh you know that's one of those experiences that you can have with a character driven game um mm. and afterlife looks like a character driven game uh just there you you you've made a choice not to go to the level of um of uh um oh I, wow i flaked on on the creator of invisible sun monty cook monty cook oh that's terrible oh, shame i know shame <laughs> it's i'm gonna still submit that it's early sorry monty <laughs> please come on my show um, <laughs> um but but like <clears throat> You know, obviously, you didn't, you you, uh, you didn't, uh, you know, aim for a massive box set that's, you know, two hundred plus dollars with Afterlife, but it feels like that same idea of like, this is a personal story. This is a, you're exploring the, the something personal, 
with this character. For sure. Like, and I will just like, just my final tangent into Invisible Sun is like for everything that you get in Invisible Sun, it's totally worth all that money. It's just a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to say that because I'm like, I don't want to bash Invisible Sun. Like, I love the game, but like, oh, yeah. man. Um, it's an adventure. But yeah, so. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. <laughs> trying not to tangent i'm just like i have things to say about this um no but uh going back to afterlife indeed it is a very player driven game and that's kind of like at the heart of most things that i design um familiars of terror was almost a, a departure from that but i think i needed a departure after i had created witch because witch is also like such an intensely character driven game you basically sell your soul um to a demon for power and your goal is to get that back but in order to do that you have to keep negotiating with your demon and keep making these deals so you're keep you're you continuously are drawn into this drama so i kind of needed like a palate cleanser and that's what familiar satara was it's like you know what just be an epic hero and have an awesome animal companion and just like become a legend you know yeah. <laughs> um but afterlife is definitely a return to this character driven um intense play because i think like you know th those like you were saying like those are kind of the characters you remember those are the campaigns you remember and ultimately like i think very mundane things that are very important to your character are things that like you'll tell for years and years after you can like stop playing whereas like this massive fight with a dragon like you may forget within a couple years right right yeah no it's it's uh it, that's totally the case. It's always the minor, the minor, like, you know, uh, uh, things that are, that are just aside or, or happen organically in a game that are the stories that you want to tell. Um, you know, uh, whereas, I mean, I, I, I think the, the excitability factor for, um, for some gamers is like, this thing just happened to me and it was crazy. And, but five years, five, 10 years later, like what are the stories that you're telling? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember like one of the storylines we were most invested in, I was running a game of Vampire the Masquerade and um, it was like near Gehenna, right? Like it's near the end of the world. All these terrible things are happening. But I remember the thing my players were most invested in is that my best friend, Renee, her character was like in a love triangle. <laughs> <laughs> with these two men, with Isaac and this guy named Gawain. And everyone was so intensely invested in that relationship, um, like to the point where like, and it was just a very mundane, like, who is she going to choose? Will she, won't she type thing. Um, and everyone was so angry at her because she ended up choosing Isaac and not Gawain and everyone was team Gawain. Um, and like to this day, they still talk about this. I'm like, yeah, but remember in Gehenna when like Lilith came in like riding on the Thames in this giant tidal wave and like this epic music was playing because like I made this cool playlist and they're like yeah but she really should have gone with Gwen. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. like thanks oh. guys <laughs> like like same like in and actually I think the storyteller system is probably one of the ones that really really lends that because I ran a mage game for years and I think of like all the crazy epic things that, that, you know, I threw at them and, and did all this stuff. <clears throat> and, um, they, they'll, the conversation they'll have is the philosophical debate they had with M. Bison because <laughs> I, 
I had two White Wolf games. One yeah. was Street Fighter, and one was yeah. Mage the Ascension. Wait, what? Amazing. Yeah, and I needed NPCs when they went in a direction I didn't expect, so I used Street Fighter characters. Um, I'm fair, not proud of it. Fair. I'm not proud of it. Um, although, the where that ended up ended up being really cool, but... Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, uh, you know, when it's not on your time, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll reach an ending here and I'll, I'll tell you the crazy thing I did with that because, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, maybe I've told it on a podcast. I don't know. This is your time. So, <laughs> but, um, but it is, it is funny how you can say, here's this big event that's happening. And yet it's always going to be the personal stories that people recall. So. Yeah. And I mean, giving, giving GMs tools for that too. Cause I, I sometimes hear GMs who struggle with that. Um, and I, I think it's generally like, if I speak to you and a lot of like more seasoned GMs, like it's pretty straightforward, but I think for some new GMs, it's kind of like, okay, well, how do exactly do I go about this? You know? Um, so in afterlife, we kind of try to solve that being by being like, okay, well it, there's mechanics behind it. So like this will support you through getting overly involved in your players' lives. <laughs> <laughs> so this will uh yeah. So this will help help with that. Um I I'm very excited for Afterlife. when is the Kickstarter launching? We are going to launch in May. Okay. And yeah, all the information is on our website or we will have it all over Twitter and stuff like that. Very cool. Um, and so you're, so let, I, I always love to talk when, whenever I have people on and I know, you know, it's, it's usually promote stuff and everything. Um, but uh, I always love to talk about, as you know, the stuff you're playing. We've been talking about Invisible Sun. You're running Invisible Sun right now. Um, yes. Are you running anything else? Too many things. Thank you for asking, Jesse. Um, okay, so I run a quarterly Blades in the Dark game, which is the biggest joy of my life. And I I, I love it so much. Like, I, I don't know. I'm going to talk the least about it, but, like, I just love Blades in the Dark so much. And it is my joy every quarter to play it. Yeah. Um, and then I run, so that group I told you about that is running, uh, like, that we ran Vampire the Masquerade. Um, and we ran that for like decade. Uh -huh. um, now we're playing Blue Rose. Okay. And obviously, I'm running a couple of campaigns of Afterlife too, just to play test everything. Of course. So, and then, yeah, and then the Invisible Sun, which I'm still gra getting to grips with actually. Like, we're on our fourth or fifth session, and I'm still kind of struggling with some of the mechanics. It's a lot. Like, it's so much a lot. It's a lot, but you know what the problem is? And like, again, I'm ragging on a game I really like, <laughs> but like they needed to put all the information like in one space mm. because like the thing that I keep referring back to is that amazing like 41 page PDF that they gave. It was like a, a quick, a rules quick start or something like that. Yeah. That has been my Bible for the entire game because it just has all the basics in it. Because like flipping through all those books, man. Yeah. Oh, same. I mean, that's like like um, that. I I I use the playtest documents, and um, I've actually been kind of going through like what are all the things my my character can do, 
and I have this document of like, here's the, here's my character, like here's all the things I can do, and um, and uh, it, it's um, yeah, it's it's a lot of stuff, but again, like. Yeah, let's not rag on a game we both really like a lot. I know. I know, like, saying that, though, like, I am really invested. The magic is super awesome, and we're really, I like, we're also, like, my player got the directed campaign, which I'm running for them now. Oh, nice. Which is also, like, super cool. Um, And, like, just all the props that they give you and the printouts and stuff, like, it's been awesome. Yeah. We've been playing online, so we we, we see the, the visual um, side of it, but... Um... I don't think we're doing the directed campaign. I think I think uh, uh, Scott is kind of doing his own thing, but it's it's yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, is there anything right now that you're like that you want to play? I know you um, want you want to play in like anything. <laughs> I know I'm like anything. I'll play anything. Oh, I'm also playing D. I am actually playing in a D and D campaign okay. right now, which is cool. Uh, anything that I'm really desperate to play. Um. Oh, oh, yes. Um, but I'm gonna say the name so wrong, and it's not out yet. I funded. I backed it on Kickstarter. I have never been so excited for a Kickstarter. Um, it's called Nahul. Oh, I'm saying that oh. wrong. No, I interviewed. Do you know how to say it? Um. I have it in my notes. You play angel hunters, um, and it is set in Mexico, and it just seems so amazing. I just filled in my backer kit for it, and I am so amped up to play that. I've been selling it to my Blades in the Dark group, um, trying to say, like, you know, we could play twice every quarter, and we could also play this game, because <laughs> um, I'm so desperate to play it, and it looks so cool. Um, yeah, I'm uh, one second. I'm logging into my account to find. Uh... I was wrong. I was thinking of another game. Oh, I'm saying it so wrong. I feel very. Yeah, it's. Yeah. N A H U A L. Nah. Uh, anyway, like you play Mexican demon hunters. Sorry, Mexican shape shifting angel hunters that's the pitch okay um and it looks so good it, the art is all based off a comic which is beautifully illustrated and it just i always get really excited when there's a setting that i have never played before you know when it's not like the modern fantasy or the like high fantasy and this is just something that was so different and the pitch is so strong on the kickstarter page i'm like i'm all about it i'm so yeah. ready i mean that's like like that's just a that's just an elevator pitch that you you want to get on. <laughs> like yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and it's by Miguel Espinosa. Just to plug him a bit, he's hey, awesome. I you know I I was thinking that uh, it, it, it's 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 not even. I was gonna say it's close to to a game that, that I did have somebody on last year for that. But it's not, it's not as close as I thought it was. So I'm not even going to say it. But um, maybe I should, I should contact Miguel and say, hey, uh, people like your game. Come on my show. Um, Please do. I'd be <laughs> so excited. Um, well, um, this has been, we are nearing the end of our time, unfortunately. But 
I have good news for you. This is officially you've you've been on the lounge season one, lounge season two. It's now a thing. You have to come on the lounge every year, at least. I will. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm gonna have this streak. I'm gonna be like the Undertaker. No one will be able to break the streak. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. Don't don't get a one in your twenty one and one. Um, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, when I saw that happen, I was just like, my, my earth shattered around me. Like, I know it had to happen, but like, did it? Did it? Sorry. I don't, I'm digressing. I, I feel like we could, <laughs> listen, I feel like we could talk wrestling for a long time. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um, that's a thing I didn't even know about you. Um, oh. Yeah. WrestleMania is next week and it's my birthday. It's on my birthday. Oh so. my, did you get tickets? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> although, all right, here's a brag I know I haven't done on my on my show yet. Um, I have been to WrestleMania. What? Yep, and it was in Toronto. And it was WrestleMania 18 where Hulk Hogan faced Rock. Oh, man. Yeah. That was... Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty, like... <laughs> Like I'll, I'll kind of play down, downplay like a lot of the experiences I've had in my life, but of all of them, that was just like amazing. I'd be wearing my shirt every day. Be like, Hey, I actually got this at WrestleMania. Like, no, I, I was there. Yeah. That's uh, that, that shirt needs to go away. No, mine. <laughs> Um, you just like buy multiples so that anytime a shirt gets old, you can just put a fresh one on. <laughs> I actually, it's funny. I actually, um, oh, the, the shirt that I got is, is too small now because I got bigger. Um, uh, but sideways, not like taller. Um, and I have it, I know I have it somewhere, but I did find a site where you can get like vintage, vintage shirts. And so eventually I'll convince my wife to let me get a, WrestleMania 18 shirt again. Yes. I would have paid too much for it. But, you know, it's like, hey, I was there. Especially yeah, if Yeah, it'll we, be worth it. If we do go again, um, it would be... Oh, that's cool. It would be a fun thing. That's... By the way, I am dying to play a wrestling game at some point. I haven't had the chance to play um, um, uh, Worldwide Wrestling yeah yeah um and the one where you can promo right like that's the yeah. bomb yeah yeah like, I, it's I played a, that at a con it's a whole thing um but i did run uh an x crawl game where i basically just turned up all the elements that would be like wrestling elements um oh, cool and it and this is my my regular friday group and that game ended the first session, no, the first session, the uh, first adventure they went through, the first like uh, maze they went through. Um, mm -hmm. It was um, ended with a rap battle. And I was like, this is not a group <laughs> that does rap battles. And it ended with a rap battle. And it was very exciting. That is amazing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, that's not recorded anywhere, is it? No, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh man! It makes me mad that I wasn't recording it. 
Um, I know it's like such an epic moment. <laughs> but uh, so so there's there's my my accolades to my regular group. They were willing to participate in a rap battle, even though none of them, except for me, likes likes rap. So, but um, yeah, I mean, um, anything else that you want to uh, share with the people? Uh, no, I mean, like I'm still on wrestling in my mind, but no, like I mean, please check out Afterlife if you're. It sounds interesting. Please like download the kicks, uh, the Quick Start. Um, and like, come see us on Kickstarter and, you know, explore the darkness, the Tenebris, as we like to say in Afterlife. Please do so. Oh, there is a new tradition on the lounge. Um, oh? yes. Um, I asked, I asked my guests if they're willing to, uh, to remind the audience, the lounge lizards, um, as Bo Sheldon has, has, uh, christened them, um, to stay classy. Would you be so kind as to do the honors? Oh, well, lounge lizards, please stay classy. I love it. How great was it to talk to Liz again? Real, real fun. That was Liz Trepeticone from Angry Hamster Publishing. Head on over to angryhamsterpublishing.com. Check out... uh, Everything that uh, that they've got going on—it's really, really cool stuff. Um, as you'll all remember, Familiars of Terra is just awesome, beautiful, gorgeous. The final product is amazing. Um, you can also uh, go to at Angry Hamster Publishing on Twitter and check that out. Um, it's a blast having her on. I hope she comes back. I'm sure she will. I, you might be seeing her on a regular basis. Isn't that great? Thanks, uh, thanks everybody for being patient. And take it away, outro uh, lady, person. I'll get better at that. The Lounge is a misdirected Mark production. The media arm of Encoded Designs with lots of great shows like this one. Panda's Talking Games. Phil and Senda answer your questions about RPGs from the perspective of one-shots and campaigns, with some Panda silliness. The Lounge Theme, and So It Begins, by Artificial Music, is used under Creative Commons 3.0. Support Contessa at Contessa.rocks. Find your host... Jesse Doc Admin at Doc Palindrome on Twitter. All the links from this episode can be found in the episode description. Stay classy, lounge lizards.